Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. A lot to get to today. We'll start with an update on the coronavirus in Ohio from the state's health director, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including gerrymandering, gun legislation at the State House, an interview with the new Director of Public Safety for the City of Columbus, Robert Clark, and a look at the Columbus YWCA's six Women of Achievement winners. In the second half hour, I'll talk with someone from FEMA about flood insurance, and I'll wrap up the hour talking with a co-founder and president of an organization based in Lancaster that works in Columbus to collect donated diapers to give to food pantries, child care centers, and domestic violence shelters. First up on Columbus Perspective, earlier this week, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff, the director of the Ohio Department of Health, provided an update on the coronavirus in Ohio. This includes a lot of useful information, including upcoming drawings for the Vax to School program involving kids in Ohio. He also provides some general information about vaccinations and the coronavirus activity in Ohio, which is especially high right now in northwest Ohio. This segment with Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff runs about seven minutes. Since the authorization of a COVID-19 vaccine for those ages 5 to 11, School-aged children are well on their way to enjoying the same protection from COVID-19 as most of the rest of us. 11.1% of 5 to 11-year-olds in Ohio have already started the vaccination process. Nationwide, this compares very favorably, as the CDC was reporting this figure as 10.1% the day before. We're really encouraged that so many young Ohioans are rolling up their sleeves to get vaccinated. Many of them have also entered Ohio vaxxed school drawings. And as you know, the first entry deadline was this past Sunday, November 21st at 11.59 p.m. By that time, there were 133,652 unique entries for the drawing. Next week on Monday, November 29th, we'll begin announcing winners. Each day, Monday through Friday, 30 $10,000 scholarship winners will be announced. The announcements that week will include 75 winners drawn from Sunday's deadline and 75 winners that will be drawn next Monday following next Sunday's deadline. Finally, the grand prize winners will be announced on Friday, December 3rd during the lottery broadcast at approximately 7.29 p.m. The FDA and the CDC acted authorizing COVID-19 boosters for all fully vaccinated adults 18 and older. This broadens booster eligibility and also simplifies eligibility across the board. If you're 18 or older and are fully vaccinated, the only things you'll need to know are, number one, when you received your last dose, and number two, which of the three vaccines you'd like to choose for your booster. Those who originally received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are eligible for a single booster dose at least two months following their original dose. Those who received Moderna or Pfizer, which is also now known as Comirnaty, are eligible for a booster dose six months after receiving their second dose or additional dose 
in the case of those who are immunocompromised. Now, we're fortunate that the available COVID-19 vaccines continue to be incredibly effective. However, there is a natural tendency for immunity to wane over time, whether that's natural immunity or immunity from a vaccine. When fully vaccinated Ohio adults choose to get booster doses, it will keep their immunity from COVID-19 at peak performance. It's important to remember, of course, that there are still many eligible Ohioans who haven't yet gotten their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. If you haven't chosen to be vaccinated yet, please remember that the COVID-19 vaccines are safe, effective, and under constant, rigorous, ongoing safety review. And after millions and millions of doses over more than a year, they've developed a truly remarkable safety record. Now, as I noted last week, we continue to see rising cases and hospitalizations across Ohio. In particular, we're seeing quite a bit of this activity in Northwest Ohio. We've talked a lot about case rates per 100,000 residents in the past. As you know, this is a measure that allows us to assess and compare positive COVID-19 case data over a two-week period. When we aggregate this data at a regional level, Northwest Ohio emerges as our state's highest region, coming in at 742.4 cases per 100,000 residents. The lowest region, by comparison, is Southwest Ohio at 401.9 cases per 100,000. Now, the CDC considers anything over 100 a high rate of transmission. So while we're still seeing high spread across Ohio, it's exceptionally high in Northwest Ohio. When you drill this down further, there are four counties in that area that are actually in the top 25% of counties in terms of vaccination rates. And those four counties combined have a rate of 57% of vaccines started, 53% vaccine completed, and their case rate per 100,000 is lower. It's at 569.3. When you look at the remaining 14 counties in Northwest Ohio, on the other hand, their vaccination rate is 46% started and 43% completed. And their case rate per 100,000 is much higher at 918.6. Now, while you can still see that cases are high in all of these counties, and in fact, in all of Ohio's counties, it's clear that a higher vaccination rate is correlated with a lower case rate. Simply put, it's a further demonstration of the protective impact of vaccination and, I hope, a further encouragement for every Ohio to make the choice to get the vaccine. Unvaccinated Ohioans remain vulnerable to COVID-19 and its many after effects because they haven't yet chosen to get vaccinated. While those who are vaccinated are remarkably well protected, particularly against severe disease and death from COVID-19. So as we look forward to the coming holiday season, as well as cold and flu season, please, 
if you aren't yet vaccinated, choose to get the vaccine. And if you are fully vaccinated and are now eligible for a booster, make an appointment or walk in at one of the many vaccine providers who accept walk-ins across the state. Staying up to date on immunizations has been an essential part of maintaining our well-being for decades. And getting the COVID-19 vaccines, as well as boosters, represents one of the best ways we can continue to protect our health. That's again Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff, Director of the Ohio Department of Health, from a news conference earlier this week. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. The lines are being redrawn. A local political expert weighs in on what could happen next with redistricting in Ohio. And the House passes a bill that would allow teachers to carry guns, educators and firearms advocates debate the issue. And we break down how much money from the infrastructure bill is coming to Ohio and how it could help expand Amtrak in the Buckeye State. Thank you so much for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. After several versions were drawn up, the Ohio House and Senate passed a new congressional redistricting map. It gives the Republicans a 13 to 2 advantage. Experts say when districts overwhelmingly favor one party over the other, it leaves voters with a limited choice of candidates. This map clearly unduly favors Republicans and disfavors Democrats. As a lifelong resident, I think these are great maps. We've heard how well they were drawn, and I think they will withstand the court muster. Because the vote is not bipartisan, the map will need to be revisited again in four years. We'll certainly let you know what happens. Two gun-related bills also passed the Ohio House. One allows teachers to carry a loaded gun into the classroom. The other gets rid of permits in order to be a concealed carrier. 10TV's Olivia Eugenio breaks down the controversy behind these bills. House Bill 99 and House Bill 227, both dealing with gun control, both polarizing, and both passing the House. Let's start with House Bill 227. This would allow anyone over the age of 21 who is legally able to carry a gun to carry a concealed firearm, no strings attached. Currently, anyone looking to carry needs eight hours of training and must pass a background check. There are a lot of people who just simply don't want to go through uh, all of the paperwork and bureaucracy associated with being able to carry a firearm. If you have no training in the use of firearms, it, there's no way to believe that you know how to handle a firearm. And firearms are deadly instruments. And if you've had no training in the use of firearms, even if your intentions are good to stop a robbery or something, you won't be able to shoot effectively. The other bill, House Bill 99, would set a minimum of 20 hours of training needed for school employees to conceal carry. The bill sponsor Wednesday saying this bill does not set a maximum hours of training, so school districts could add more. Keep in mind, the Ohio Supreme Court decided earlier this year armed school workers would need hundreds of hours of training. The Fraternal Order of Police testified against this bill, saying more training was needed. The Ohio Federation of Teachers also testified against the bill. For us, we're looking at like some psychological testing to make sure a person is psychologically fit to, to carry a weapon, uh, some de-escalation skills, 
uh, and just some really intense training on how to handle these types of situations. The need to have people in schools who can protect our kids is different in every school district, but it's definitely in the outlying area something that really is a big concern. This bill would also require school employees to get an additional two hours of general training and two hours of handgun training each year. Olivia Eugenio, 10TV News. Both bills now go to the Ohio Senate for consideration. A spokesperson for Governor DeWine says it's premature to comment on these bills because it's unclear what the final language is going to be. But he does say the governor supports Second Amendment rights. President Biden signed the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill into law. How much money will Ohio get as part of this bill? It's hard to say right now, but White House estimates suggest Ohio could receive more than $9 billion for highways, nearly half of a billion for repair and to replace bridges over a five-year period. There could also be $100 million for broadband, a quarter of a billion dollars for airports, and more than a billion each for public transportation. Add water and, and infrastructure. We did ask Lieutenant Governor John Husted about the bill and what it means for the state. He emphasized those figures we just went over are not yet set in stone. Well, there's no doubt that we have uh, infrastructure needs. Ohio has been investing in infrastructure. We've already made investments in our roads and bridges and broadband and other things. To have an additional federal investment in that will help us do more of those projects. But we're going to wait and see what the details are because uh, I have a lot of people coming to me right now, well, we can do this project or we can do that project. Uh, we don't know that yet because we have to see what the rules are regarding how we spend the money. Senator Rob Portman applauded the signing, calling it historic. It's a big day for infrastructure and therefore a good day for my constituents in Ohio and people all around the country. People who are stuck in a traffic jam or, or maybe people who are worried about the bridge they're going over, whether it's safe or not, which is the case of a, a big bridge in my community. That big bridge he's talking about is the Brent Spence Bridge between Cincinnati and northern Kentucky. It's notoriously congested and in need of an overhaul. Part of the infrastructure bill, more than $60 billion, will be invested into Amtrak. That will include Ohio. 10TV's Olivia Gino shows us what this means for the future of rail in the Buckeye State. The president, known for his love of trains, just signed a massive investment. When it comes to passenger rail, this is transformational. Um, you know, the, there's never been this kind of an investment in passenger rail, uh, probably since the New Deal era under Franklin Roosevelt. $66.6 billion will go to Amtrak to help with their expansion. The Amtrak board chair saying, with the signing of this bill today by President Biden, the second great passenger rail revolution is here. And Amtrak and its state and federal partners are ready to lead the way. Part of the expansion will be to extend the 3C and D corridor, which goes through Cleveland, Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati. Columbus hasn't seen passenger rail since 1979. The 3C corridor hasn't been used for passenger rail since the early 1970s. Stu Nicholson is from All Aboard Ohio, an advocacy group for transportation. There has never been uh, that kind of investment in passenger rail in this country, not since the creation of Amtrak. Nicholson predicts Central Ohio could see the Amtrak route in three to four years. He expects their first step will be doing studies to look at what needs to be fixed for the train to roll. For instance, what 
what bridges might need to be strengthened, what bridges for railroads might to be might need to be replaced or widened. Where is the corridor going to need more than just a single track? Nicholson looks forward to passenger rails returning to central Ohio, something he says many haven't seen in their lifetime. Olivia Eugenio, 10TV News. Amtrak leaders say their plan will create more than half a million jobs as well as add $150 billion to local communities. By the year 2035, a historic vote in the U.S. Congress, members of Congress censured a Republican representative over a violent video he posted online. Two Republicans joined House Democrats in voting to condemn Arizona Congressman Paul Gosar and strip his committee assignments after he tweeted an animated video of himself attacking President Joe Biden and appearing to kill Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ohio representatives Troy Balderson and Mike Carey voted against his censure. We are seeing another wave of COVID-19 cases in Ohio. The health department says it appears the Delta variant is ramping up again. The Delta variant appears to have gotten a second wind. Hospitalizations have significantly increased. And right now, one in seven patients in our hospitals has COVID-19. More people are getting sick and more are being hospitalized. This week was National Apprenticeship Week. Our state has its own celebration, too. And according to the lieutenant governor's office, Ohio ranks third in the nation for apprentices and first in the Midwest. Clay Gordon explains how this push to fill those skilled positions is a low or no cost option for people who want to change careers. This is Chelsea Mosby's new office. It's like being in a video game, my feet don't touch the ground. The pandemic had a lot to do with it. The Columbus mother of an 11-month-old son decided she wanted a change of scenery. It's definitely rewarding because you're outside, but all the, if you're trying to lose that baby weight, I mean, I lost mine about a month or so. Mosby was in customer service. Now she's in a local laborers' union. You're working and studying at the same time. Correct, yeah. So working, I get paid as I'm working a little bit, and then also you're getting an education at the same time. Vince Irvin is the statewide apprenticeship coordinator. Digging down this soil, they'll prepare it for a concrete pour. The Drexel J. Thrash Training Center in Howard, Ohio, provides hands-on and classroom teaching for thousands of apprentices and nearly two dozen unions. We provide all the classroom instruction on behalf of the industry. There is no additional cost for that apprentice. Member. It includes fuel, food, and in some instances, room and board. But the job field in Ohio spans more than just construction. But it's also manufacturing, healthcare, tech. This week, the state is pushing to fill those jobs. So if you're looking at why now, the opportunities are available now. Employers need people now. And I can't emphasize enough, it costs you nothing. It can be very intimidating at first, especially if you, you're new to it altogether. But I would say from my personal experience, everybody I've worked with, they've been very instrumental in helping me. Everything I learned, I learned on the job. For Consumer 10, I'm Clay Gordon. Right now, there are more than 1,300 apprenticeship opportunities in the state to find a position near you. 
Ohio means jobs.com. A new bill introduced in the Ohio House is aimed at helping new parents. State Rep. Allison Russo wants to create the Ohio Family and Medical Leave Insurance Program. That program would make sure Ohio workers had 12 weeks of family and medical leave benefits that could be used to care for a sick loved one, to take time off after a birth or adoption, or if a family experiences a stillbirth or death of a child. The bill has been referred to the House Families, Aging, and Human Services Committee. The Columbus mayor proposed the largest budget in city history. After the break, we'll take a look at how he plans to make the city safer through money and what the new director of public safety has to say about the current state of crime in the city. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. The largest budget in Columbus's history is going big on public safety. Mayor Andrew Ginther laid out the numbers. The mayor's budget proposal is more than $1 billion. $660 million is designated to public safety, and that includes a strong push to recruit police officers and firefighters. $2 million will go to Hilltop Early Learning Center, and $10 million is being set aside for clean energy programs. The top three priorities are neighborhoods, neighborhoods, neighborhoods. It's about equity. It's about opportunity. It's about upward mobility, growing the winner circle of success. Someone who plays a big role in this plan is Robert Clark, the new director of public safety for the city of Columbus. He believes his unique background can bring it into the city's violence, and he explained why to 10TV's Angela Ann. From the day the city announced Robert Clark as the new director of public safety, he has not stopped. They say the first few months on a job is a honeymoon period. This is no honeymoon. I'm not exactly sure when the honeymoon started or ended. Um, You don't even have it. No, it was a race day one. In his first two and a half months, the city broke a homicide record. The feds arrested two Columbus police officers accused of drug crimes. And the city laid to rest two firefighters and a police officer who died from COVID complications. I don't take the responsibilities lightly and even the burdens I don't take lightly. So every time I get a report of a shooting, a homicide, or things happening around the city, I know that that impacts. It keeps you up at night? It it does. Here's why it keeps him up at night. You lived what you're talking about. I absolutely did. Um, Growing up on the south side of Youngstown, spending several years in foster care, uh, being the son of a murdered father, January 15, 1980 at 9.15 p.m. is a day I'll never forget. And I closed the door on my childhood that night at 13 years old, but I didn't understand like what my life would be. 
His life has become what he calls a crusade of pursuing justice for others that have fallen silent. First, as a street cop in Youngstown, working special investigations and vice. Clark then moved on to the FBI and spent two decades taking down notorious gangs in Los Angeles. He turned alleyways of filth and graffiti into passages of hope. For Clark, it always came back to his why. I see myself as one of them. I used to be one of them. I grew up in the inner city. I grew up in foster care. That was in 2013 in L.A. This was last week in Columbus. I am the the son of a murdered father, so I know what it feels like every time we have a shooting, every time we have a homicide. Clark's why will never change. And he says to fix the city's ever-growing violence, it's time to find new ways to do old things. There are some critics and people in the community who have said, I've heard this, and they say it hasn't worked before. What's going to make it work now? Well, here's what I, I suggest. There's a stack of applications in civil service, uh, and we're certainly encouraging those who want to be a part of the solutions to come and join the team. We're making room on the team, um, and I would encourage them to be a part of the process. We need community engagement. He believes a unified approach must include shifting how policing looks in the future, but also shifting the public's trust back to those who took an oath to protect and serve. I had a conversation just this week about a young man who said, that we don't want to talk to the police and we don't want the police to talk to us. And I asked him to just change a couple words. We don't want to talk to you. We want to speak with you. And that's a very different methodology. It's a very different mindset. This is not me speaking to you. This is about us creating a bilateral process of communication, and I am forward-leaning when it comes to that. Director Clark says his return to Ohio brings him full circle to his why, turning a troubled childhood into a public service guided by faith. And not many people can say they have God's thumbprint in their office. I saw that. You noticed that, did you? I sure did. Yeah, that, that was actually a gift, and as you can see, it's, it's one of the only things that I have, I've brought to my office because I believe that God has his thumbprints on my life. And also an opportunity to serve a city that needs a savior. Director Clark knows solving Columbus's crime problem will not happen overnight, and he says there isn't just one answer. But the director says he's also here for the long haul because serving and protecting are what he calls his true north. For Crime Checker 10, I'm Angela Ann, 10 TV News. If you'd like to watch Angela's entire sit-down interview with Director Clark, head over to 10TV.com. Well, college football is certainly heating up, and so is the NFL. Many of you are probably waiting right now for an afternoon of games and to see how your fantasy team might fare today. Well, others may have money on the line. Here in Ohio, sports betting is an issue that remains tied up in debate and remains in a conference committee at the Statehouse. Sports gambling would be supervised by the Casino Control Commission. While lawmakers hash out the particulars, nonprofit organizations like the Problem Gambling Network of Ohio are moving in to make sure potential players know the risks. Uh, every state but Kentucky currently that surrounds Ohio has legalized sports betting. So we're able to talk to our friends in Michigan and talk to our friends in Indiana and Pennsylvania and just to say, what are you going through? What are some tips that you would suggest for us? And that's uh, information that we're bringing to the state legislature as they look at these issues. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, support from any state lawmakers um, for this effort to, to help people? 
Yeah, we've engaged with uh, the members of both the House and the Senate uh, related to sports betting and other gambling issues. Uh, Evango is something that came up towards the end of last year, and we continue to work with them and provide the information. Many times they're hearing from folks that are saying, hey, we want to um, have gambling in Ohio when we want to profit from gambling. Not often enough are they hearing from voices like ours to say, hey, we're not opposed to expanded gambling. We just want to make sure that the appropriate guardrails are in place. Mm-hmm. Can you, for the purposes of our viewers who um, have heard the other side, can you give some examples of the problems that um, can result from, I'm just going to say it this way, gambling, sports gambling gone wrong? Sure, absolutely. Well, as we look at um, the data from the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, we know that one in four Ohioans who currently sports bet, sports betting not currently legal in Ohio, one in four are at risk for developing a gambling problem. So that's a huge population. And with that, we want to make sure that uh, we really understand what that can look like. You can take a nine-question quiz at beforeyoubet.org and really assess what your gambling looks like. And based on the results of that, those nine questions that can help um, provide some additional resources, whether that be just things to think about, or um, maybe if you're um, kind of on the, the other end of getting some gambling support services. Coming up in today's Note of Promise, we will highlight some very special women in Central Ohio for their efforts in their community to help those around them. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Ahead of the winter season, we want to remind our viewers of some of the government resources that are out there, specifically those that can help people pay their bills. This week, we're highlighting some ways that you can keep your home warm this winter through a program called the Winter Crisis Program. Experts say the first step, checking on your home's insulation. But I also encourage people to um, contact your local providers. So whether that's AEP or another provider, or even if you have um, bulk storage or a, 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 an oil tank that's, uh, that, that does your heating, um, we can help you fill that oil tank to um, help heat your home as well. So um, I recommend people contact us, energyhelp.ohio.gov, and then reach out to your local energy provider. Um, there's a number of programs, and uh, we want to make sure that your house is warm this winter. Whether you own or rent your home, you can get help. Eligibility is based on your income and how many people are in your household. For example, to qualify for a family of four, you'll need to prove a yearly income of about $46,000. There's more information on how to apply for this assistance at 10tv.com slash featured links. In this morning's Note of Promise, we are celebrating six extraordinary women for their leadership, vision, professional excellence, and their selfless work to uplift the community. They're being recognized as YWCA Women of Achievement, women who go the extra mile to help make life better for the community and those around them. What is a woman of achievement? Oh, you know, a woman of achievement is an an individual who um, is, of course, you know, uh, inspiring and, uh, you know, does has great a great professional resume, if you will, right? But it also is a, a woman who uplifts her community. And YWCA of Columbus CEO Christy Angel says the six women announced as 2022 Women of Achievement exemplify that definition. 
I'm pleased to announce Joy Bivens, Deputy County Administrator for Health and Human Services for Franklin County, Laura S.B. Bell, Emergency Medicine Physician and Associate Medical Director for Mid-Ohio Emergency Services and Medical Director of Community Partnerships for Ohio Health, Linda Hondros, owner and co-founder of the Hondros Family of Companies, Angie Plummer, Executive Director of Community Refugee and Immigration Services, Janika Pierce-Tucker, partner in charge of Taft, Satanis, and Hollister Legal uh, Profession, and Joanna Pinkerton, President and CEO of the Central Ohio Transit Authority. These women represent the essence of who we have had to be and what we have had to fight for for these last nearly two years. And we say congratulations to the YWCA's 2022 Women of Achievement. You can look to hear from each of them in April during the Women of Achievement celebration. And of course, right now you can read more about them at 10tv.com. In the meantime, we say thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember, if it affects you, your family in Ohio, we're here to make sure those accountable face the state. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV. From her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Still to come on Columbus Perspective, I'll talk with somebody from FEMA in just a couple of minutes about flood insurance. Then we'll talk to the co-founder and president of Bottoms Up Diaper Service in Lancaster, which collects donated diapers and gives them to food pantries, domestic violence shelters, and other places where mothers in need can use them. Crispy, faded, lit, baked, toasty, stoned, blazed, zooted. When you're high, there are a lot of ways to say it. But there's only one thing you need to remember. Driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal everywhere. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. We are advocates. We are defenders. We are champions. And friends. We are the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. 230 accredited members employing thousands. All dedicated to the care and conservation of Earth's precious wildlife. Sea turtles. African penguins. California condors. Cheetahs. And countless endangered species that are close to extinction. See for yourself at aza.org slash join us. Or at an AZA accredited zoo and aquarium today. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James. Joining me on the phone is James Sink. He's with FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. He's uh, the Regional Flood Insurance Liaison for the Ohio region. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, we're going to talk about flood concerns in Ohio. And uh, first, tell us uh, how big of an issue flooding has been in Ohio as uh, FEMA relates to it. Uh, yeah, so Ohio has a very long history of flooding, um, both in terms of river flooding, um, especially in the southern Ohio River Valley, uh, but also flash flooding. Um, and then last year in, in Michigan, we saw how uh, even the, the best built flood defenses can sometimes be overwhelmed by Mother Nature uh, with the dam failures in Midland. Um, so in Ohio, we see on average the flood insurance claim is a, a little over $12,000. Um, 
so there definitely is a history of flooding in Ohio and, and a history of uh, damages to uh, businesses, um, apartment buildings, renters, and, and to um, homes. Is it common knowledge among people that your regular homeowner's insurance doesn't cover a flash flood? Uh, unfortunately, that is something that most people do not know. Uh, most homeowners policies and business policies and renters insurance policies do not cover flooding. So it's really important that people talk to their insurance agent uh, to uh, about flood insurance so they can, that they can uh, protect the lives that they built. Again, most homeowners policies, most renters policies, and most business policies do not cover flooding. So you would need to have a separate flood insurance policy um, so you can talk to your insurance agent or visit floodsmart.gov to learn more about that. But there is a distinction between, say, a flash flood that damages your home compared to, say, if your hot water heater springs a leak and floods your kitchen. That is covered usually, right? Uh, yeah, so those are those are two different types of water damage. So uh, the uh, hot water example um, would probably be covered by your homeowner's policy. Flood insurance covers water that uh, covers damage from water that affects two or more properties and or two or more acres and is flowing over normally dry land. So for flood insurance to offer coverage, there has to be inundation of normally dry land. So in that case, the example you gave, a homeowner's policy would probably cover the, the water heater, um, but if water were to come from outside of that building, uh, flood insurance would probably kick in. And how much does flood insurance cost to add that onto a homeowner's policy? Talking with James Sink, he's uh, FEMA's regional flood insurance liaison for the Ohio region. So when there is flooding in a home, uh, you know, you see all these uh, classic photos all around the country of, you know, maybe water that goes up to knee high inside a house. What kind of damage does that cost and how fixable is that? can cause a lot more damage than most people would expect. And last year's dam failures in Michigan, we saw the average flood insurance claim being $66,000. Um, so a little bit of water can, can really cause a lot of damage. So it's really important that people have those conversations with their insurance agent and uh, protect the life they built by purchasing flood insurance. You know, you mentioned the dam failures. In, in Ohio, we had a real high-profile dam risk with Buckeye Lake east of Columbus back about five years ago when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers deemed it a great risk to about 3,000 people. They lowered the lake, spent $100 million uh, rehabbing that dam, and it's uh, good to go now. But I guess there are a lot of old dams in Ohio where someday that may be the problem. What sort of uh, help does FEMA offer when there is, uh, say, a flash flood or 
some other flooding event that happens in Ohio and you do come into the state to help people, what, what sort of procedures are followed? That is a good question. So um, it is possible that flooding could rise to a level that it could receive a major disaster declaration from the president. Uh, in order to do that, um, basically all the state and local resources have to be exhausted. There is a process that the state and local governments go through in order to make that request of the president. Um, those kinds of disaster declarations are incredibly rare. Um, so it is very important that people um, ha- are properly insured, especially from flooding. It is the most common and costly disaster in the United States. Uh, most flood events do not receive a major disaster declaration, so there's limited assistance available from the federal government. However, flood insurance will pay out your flood insurance claims even if there is no federal disaster declaration. So. Flood insurance is the best way for homeowners, business owners, and renters uh, to protect themselves from uh, flash flooding or any other kind of flood event. And if you see in the forecast, you know, that there's uh, three or four days of very heavy rain coming to Ohio where maybe, you know, four to six inches is coming and you live in a an area that might be affected by that, you can't just buy in, uh, flood insurance, you know, within like a week before that happens and be covered, right? Yeah, that's right, Dave. In most cases, there is a 30-day waiting period for flood insurance, so it is important that you purchase flood insurance early and that you renew that policy every year. That way you're not caught in that 30-day waiting period. If there is a flood event that begins prior to the effective date of that policy, it's probably something we can't cover. So important to remember, there is a 30-day waiting period in most cases. Uh, Buy flood insurance early and make sure you renew your policy every year. Talking with James Sink from FEMA. Anything else you'd like to add? Because flooding is the most common and costly disaster in the United States. Uh, visit floodsmart.gov slash dams to learn more about flood insurance and how it can protect you and your property downstream of dams and in other flood events. Okay, good information. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. This is my new best friend, Esther. She might look like any normal, playful puppy, but Esther's being raised to become a canine companions for independence assistance dog for a person with a disability. To get there, she needs lots of love and care and attention, plenty of exercise, and good eating habits so that she can live a long and healthy life for her future family. And she needs to spend tons of time socializing, learning basic commands like sit and stay, and taken to fun places with lots of distractions so that she can learn to cope in every situation. All of this will prepare Esther for more professional training to become a real assistance dog and a life helping a person with a disability to live more independently. Are you ready to open your heart and home for 18 months to a puppy like Esther? To find out more about becoming a canine companion for Independence Puppy Raiser or about other volunteer opportunities, visit cci.org or call 1-800-572-BARK. Raise a puppy, change a life. You can make a world of difference in the life of a person with a disability. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. This next segment originally aired in August on Columbus Perspective. Hi, this is Dave James. Joining me on the phone from Lancaster is Joe Welsh, who is the co-founder and president of an organization called Bottoms Up Diaper Drive. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, Tell us what Bottoms Up Diaper Drive is. Yes. 
Bottoms Up Diaper Drive is a nonprofit, uh, 501c3. We uh, collect donated diapers and give them away to uh, our partners, and our partners are food pantries, child care centers, domestic violence, rehab facilities, some pregnancy centers, and those folks distribute to their uh, clients, their neighbors. How long ago did you start, and what was the uh, the push behind it? Sure. We start. We got started in 2018, and um, my husband and I have been married. Well, we're married 40 years at the time. We're still married. Uh, we're married 40 years at the time, and he wanted to, as a celebration, ask um, our friends and family to donate diapers that we could give away to, to families in need. And kind of as a footnote, my husband's been, um, has worked with um, women's ministries and, and he knew the need, knew that the uh, need was pretty great. And um, so we thought, well, let's try to collect 40 boxes of diapers for every year we were married. And we ended up with over 80 and um, just decided, hey, let's, let's just keep doing this. So uh, we were incorporated and got our 501C3 status, and um, we were probably doing about 3,000 diapers a month at the time wow. when we started, and now uh, they were up to about, well, we're up to over 60,000 diapers a month that we're, that we're distributing. That's amazing. And are you talking about disposable diapers, cloth? What what is it? Yeah, yeah. That that's a good that's a good question. Yes, it is disposable, and and we do get that question a lot because, um, you know, in a world where we're ta- ta- talking about being environmentally um, sound, we are um, dealing with um, folks that don't have not necessarily have a stable living environment. So um, getting to a laundromat or, you know, maybe even having a washer and dryer in their home or their apartment is, is not really uh, likely. Sure. So getting to a laundromat, if you don't have transportation, there's just a lot of barriers to being able to use cloth diapers. And in a perfect world, you know, that would be the way to go. Um, but the the families that we're serving at this point in their lives, they're struggling with a lot of different things, um, as well as you know having enough diapers to to keep their babies clean, dry, and healthy. So, so it's all disposable for them at this point in their lives. Sure. I mean, if they had a, a bunch of cloth diapers dumped on them, that would uh, make the problem worse than it was before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, taking dirty diapers to a laundromat on a bus, you know, <laughs> if you've got other children or, you know, it, it's not just, it, they're not living in a perfect world. Right. And um, and you're right, giving them cloth diapers might complicate their lives, not really. They might not feel so grateful about that. <laughs> Well, the, you've got some statistics on your website. First, your uh, outreach has been growing, and, is, and you're in Lancaster, but you spend a whole lot of time in the Columbus area and well beyond that as well. Yes, yes, um, and we do have to update our website. Um, we are currently in 13 counties, and we stretch. I, we just brought on Knox County, the Early Head Start program over there, 
and uh, we go all the way down to uh, Scioto County to Portsmouth. We also picked up Athens County not too long ago. And uh, but you're right, Franklin is our biggest um, coverage area. But we do, you know, getting out to the rural areas, Hawking, Perry, Pike, Scioto, Ross. Those folks are in 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 great need of diapers. And um, we're just trying to help out the agencies in those areas that help folks that are just trying to get by. And the expense of diapers for whether it's a single mother or a young couple who are having trouble making ends meet is uh, just overwhelming. The statistics are unbelievable about it. Yes. They say about 70 to $80 a month, and that's if you're changing your baby six to ten times a day depending on the age you know a newborn is going to have a diaper change more often than let's say a two or three-year-old and a three-year-old should be on its way to being potty trained but not always again folks aren't living in perfect situations but 70 80 dollars a month and that's cash money that's not diapers can't be purchased with i know food stamps isn't the word anymore but you can't use your card for that you use for food for diapers. Anything that's taxable has to be paid for with cash. Right. So that also adds a little more burden to folks because diapers aren't covered by any government program, and it has to come out of that cash money that, that folks have. And it seems like there's so many uh, needs that this addresses. One would obviously be it's a health issue for a baby for them to have fresh diapers. And also some of these homes are just like across any demographic, maybe volatile situations where if the money situation and something as, uh, you know, as unplanned as not having enough diapers ratchets up a volatile situation where somebody in the family may be prone to violence, then that could be a catalyst for even worse problems. Yes. Um, yeah, it's not just the physical, like you said. Um, you know, diaper rash and, and different different things can can come out of just, you know, a baby sitting in a dirty diaper for a day. Um, obviously physical, but, you know, that leads to emotional things as well, like you mentioned. Um, and anyone that is listening that has had a crying baby in your house, you know, that is a look pretty unnerving. And so you have, you know, if, if a crying baby is, is happening for hours, then, yes, situations can, can, can kind of get out of hand for sure. Right. So um, having a clean, dry diaper on a baby is, is, pretty, is pretty basic need, and, and, and we sure um, love helping families that, that need that. Talking with Joe Welch, she's the co-founder and president of Bottoms Up Diaper Drive in Lancaster, which covers a number of counties, including Franklin. How does it work then? When you come into possession of thousands and thousands of diapers, where are you getting them? Where does the money come from? And how are they distributed? Sure. We um, get donations from um, churches, schools, businesses, individuals, and if, um, you know, a church or a school or business wants to do a diaper drive, um, we get diapers through them. And, um, you know, they'll collect diapers for a certain amount of time and then give them to us. And um, then we store those. We have a warehouse. We have a couple in Columbus and one in Lancaster. And then we have 
smaller kind of warehouses in those other counties that I mentioned, and the diapers are distributed there, and then our partners contact us, and we deliver the diapers that they need each week or two weeks or each month. But we also take, uh, you know, donations. Uh, we are not a government agency. We, we're not government-funded. And so most of our, um, the majority of, of the money that we have and that we get is comes from individuals, kind, generous folks, and then we purchase diapers. And we were the, a member of the uh, National um, Diaper Bank Network, so we're able to get diapers at a little, uh, little reduced cost. It's, it's still a lot, um, but... We use that money to purchase the sizes that we don't get through those diaper drives or just individual donations. I, I can't tell you how many times I come home and I, there's just some random diapers on my porch because people know that I, what I do, what we do, and um, they see a deal on diapers and they buy them and they drop them off on my, my porch. So um, it's amazing the generosity of folks to help families in need because I think you know when you hear like a mom scraping out a diaper and putting it back on a child because she doesn't have anything else or using something maybe that wasn't intended as a diaper maybe newspapers or an old dirty or a t-shirt not a dirty t-shirt but you know something that wasn't necessarily intended as a diaper then you know most people understand that you know from the second grader to the the 90-year-old, everybody understands kind of what it means for a baby to um, be sitting in a dirty diaper for a day. Right. It's a tremendous service. Uh, and in addition to these situations where folks can help out, you do have a, a couple of more formal fundraisers uh, during the year, right? Yes. Um, this year in 2021, we did what we call the world's largest diaper drive, and uh, that was May 1st. We intended to, our goal was to collect 250,000 diapers, and we collected almost 360,000. That's amazing. Um, that's like a semi-truck and a half of diapers. Wow. Um, and, and this year, and so we'll do, we'll do that again next year, May 7th, 2022, will be our world's largest diaper drive, and, and we have folks that do, you know, sponsorships, do diaper drives. And it, it's just amazing, and, and we can talk about that at maybe at another time. Okay, and so folks can uh, kind of keep an eye on your website maybe for additional info on that? Yes, absolutely, or just to donate. And, yes, the, the, all that will be coming up on our bottomsup.life website. Okay. Talking with Joe Welsh from Bottoms Up Diaper Drive, do you have, I mean, how do you distribute all these? Do you have volunteers or other folks that work with you or what? Yes, uh, we have volunteers, uh, that volunteer drivers. Um, I'm in need of a couple, so if anyone's listening would love to, um, to help out. We uh, distribute diapers in Franklin County Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. And um, so we have drivers, we have a delivery van. Uh, people pick up the diapers that they need to deliver, and then they drop them at the site. It takes a couple hours, um, but we have folks that, that do that. Uh, that are generous with their time and, and volunteer to do that. So um, that's how they get distributed. I also distribute them as well, and uh, my husband, you know, 
and all hands on deck all the time. If somebody something needs done, we, we get it done here. When you first started this effort, I'm sure that early on you must have, uh, I know that you told me before we rolled tape that there are other uh, diaper banks around Ohio and around the country. And so you must have kind of become aware as time went on that there are these mammoth efforts that go on. Did, did you suspect that maybe yours would turn into something like this? No, you know, we just we just started doing it. And, you know, after our anniversary and, and, and really, I, you know, this was this was Tim's brainchild. And and then he asked me, would you run this? Because he had another job. So it has just exploded. It's really, there's no explanation for it. It just keeps growing. And I get calls about every week from different um, agencies that, that want to hear about how they can, you know, get diapers as well. So I had no idea that would be what it is and uh, we kind of had to make a decision is this is this a hobby or is this something that we want to live on after we're gone so we kind of made that decision that this is this is something here to stay and we're gonna um, hopefully um, build it so it can live on but um, it's it's exciting when you hear the stories of, you know, a mom trying to, coming out of rehab and working to get her kids back. And one of the things she needs is to have diapers. And, and I can help in a little tiny way um, with her recovery and, and maybe getting her family back together. You know, that that gives me goosebumps. And, and I'm, I'm excited to help, you know, the mom in the rural areas that, has no transportation to get diapers, and and I can give them to an agency that get them to her. So when you hear those stories about, you know, the, the ways you can help people in the smallest, littlest way, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to be part of that. That's tremendous. It's such, it seems like such a simple issue that people would normally not even it would never even come across your mind and yet it doesn't take a lot of imagination to have to realize what a big deal it is yeah absolutely you are exactly right you know and and like i said before everybody understands it and but you know we nobody thinks about we think about food helping with food maybe utilities um, but just the basic need of a diaper is is so crucial to the development of, of kids and just harmony in the family. Like you mentioned before, it's, it's quite amazing the impact that, that it has. And just being able to help folks is wonderful. Joe Wells, co-founder and president of Bottoms Up Diaper Drive in Lancaster, covering the, the entire Columbus area and well beyond that. Joe, if folks want to help, whether it's uh, monetarily or through volunteering or otherwise, how do they do that? They can reach out to me personally um, through our website at bottomsup.life, and that's L-I-F-E. And um, I will tell you, Dave, that all of our delivery vans have my phone number on them, so I can give you that because I get calls from people when I'm driving around to the interstate um, in the delivery vans, and and my number is 740-808-6131, They can call and um, chat with me and how they want to be involved, but they can also reach out to me through our website at bottomsup.com. 
www.life, and that's L-I-F-E. Okay. Uh, what a great service. Uh, Joe Welsh again, co-founder and president of Bottoms Up Diaper Drive in Lancaster. Thanks so much for your time today and the information. Awesome. Thank you. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation to the fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM, that's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM, Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective. <laughs>